0: A lot of times there are derogatory comments about the next generation. And here's what I can tell you. People will either live up to or down to the expectations that are placed on them. We just got led in worship. Amen? I am so proud of the young people. I'm proud of those who are investing in the next generation. They did an incredible, incredible job. Praise the Lord. So, Lord willing, at this point, each of you coming in have received a copy, bound copy of all of our. This is the gospel material. Um, each household was to receive one copy of that. If you all would like additional copies for your friends and your family members, your loved ones, neighbors, co-workers, anybody like that, um, those are available. They will be for sale in our bookstore, and basically, they are seven and a half dollars a piece okay and let me let me tell you where this is going that is covering the printing cost and production but there's also about two two and a half dollars in there that's simply going back into getting the gospel out everything that comes in on this is about getting the gospel out it is a wonderful investment on that so put them in as stocking stuffers this year if you would like that will be great so before we go too far tonight i want to Kind of give a special thanks to a number of people from Stephanie Bennett and also Brian Kelly and Lon and Iron Mike. I don't know why Iron Mike's name got to be Iron Mike, but that's how he was introduced to me. Um, Also, Milbra, all of those who were in the editing and getting everything laid out for all of these materials and getting these printed and in your hands. There was a lot of work that went into this, so I want to thank all of those of you who are involved in that. So tonight is an overview of how the This is the Gospel curriculum is not only effective in evangelism, but also how it can be used in your life and helping further establish your walk with God, but also in discipling others. It is about knowing Christ and about making him known. If you were to look on the front cover of everything, it says this is the gospel, and then under it, it says a guide to relationally centered discipleship. You're gonna hear about relationship probably 50 times tonight. Before we're finished, it's coming up over and over again. And our reasoning in this is instead of us just coming through and saying, here's the, the disciplines that you need to do, rather we're focusing back on the relationship and helping people understand how the spiritual disciplines align with that to help us so that we know God and we are making him known. So. All that being said open up if you would into the introduction i'm gonna kind of cruise through a lot of this material my goal tonight is basically to help everybody understand how the material works together so that you can more effectively use it in your life as well as uh, in helping disciple others so introduction first section that we are in basically it sets up some foundational ideas it explains a number of key pieces it establishes some basic definitions that we're going to be using all the way through the process and also it introduces some key quotes so for example one of the quotes that you hear often from me is christians never outgrow the gospel we grow into the gospel if you've ever wondered i need to be able to get that written down Don't worry about it. It's right there. Center the page for you. So if you would, go ahead and turn over to the next page right there. And on the back of that, you will notice that it gives the four different pieces, how they work together. So that is the gospel. That is part one. It provides evangelism training, essential theology, and a simple gospel presentation. Then the relationship, which is part two. It is a follow-up resource that guides a new believer through their first week with Christ. It's also a fantastic resource for a person who is saying, I was never discipled whenever I came to faith in Christ. I, I came to Christ, I got involved in the church, but nobody actually discipled me. This is a wonderful resource for you to walk through yourself. Also, the pursuit, that is part number three. It is a month-long devotional guide that emphasizes four critical components of discipleship. A disciple is someone who pursues Jesus by loving God, uniting with believers, serving the world, and entrusting the gospel. And there is one week dedicated to each of those four topics. The final part here is the journey. That's part four. It is a 14-part mentoring guide. Say you lead somebody to faith in Christ, but you want to continue to meet with that individual. You want to pour into them. You want to help them understand a framework for what it looks like to walk as a believer. That's what the journey is about. 14 parts to help walk you through. And I'm going to share how all of these pieces flow together tonight. So Look at the next page, how to use the guide. There's four parts that are mentioned there. That is, it can be used for personal growth as a disciple. You can use it yourself. It can be used for one-on-one training and discipleship. For small group training, as well as I have used this and given it to a number of pastors, and they use it laying a foundation for discipleship within the local church. If you want to find more messages, maybe on the gospel about gospel living, about gospel theology, about sharing the gospel with skeptics, about how to live out the gospel in daily lives, there's the website that's at the bottom there. This is the gospel.com. Next page, table of contents. That's a table of contents, nothing overly exciting on that page. Let's keep moving right along. All right, so we get into the gospel, and these are the parts that we have been covering in the last several weeks. We talked about critical components of the gospel, and if you'll remember, I said, take a lot of notes, but at the same time, know that I'm going to be giving you a printed copy of pretty much all of my notes. By the way, I don't know if you all know this or not, but whenever I do messages, I write in full manuscripts. So basically, somebody could pick up one of those manuscripts, and by the time it's done, it's about 95, 98% of what I'm gonna say. Unless God brings up something else on the spot, on that case, you just need to take some notes. But anyway, this is critical components of the gospel. We've already covered this together. If you'll remember, there's three critical parts the gospel is empowered by the work of God's Spirit second the gospel is grounded in the truths of god's word and third the gospel is spread by the witness of god's people so now at the bottom of page 12 how will the gospel reach the ends of the earth god's spirit god's word god's people god's spirit god's word god's people all of that is there for you then we went into the principles of gospel preparation that was the four soil types And you'll remember, each of the four soils represented a condition of the human heart and its receptivity to the gospel message. So also, each of the soils shows a different level of preparation by the Holy Spirit. We talked about the hard soil. Some people do not understand the gospel. We talked about rocky soil, page 14. Some people do not understand the cost of following Christ. Then there is thorny soil. Some people want the world more than God. And then there is good soil. Some people are receptive to the gospel. Now, in each of those different soil types, we talked about if you recognize a person at this level, here's how you respond for that person. Here's how you guide them. Here's how you're not lagging behind what the Spirit of God is doing, and you're not running ahead of what the Spirit of God is doing. All of that material is right there for you. So if you would now turn over to page 18. This provides a simple gospel presentation. You will recognize each of these six statements as what I cover every single time I share the gospel. Now, I've shared with you all before why I go over the same pieces every single time. But let me share it for you again. I want it to be that you all have heard the gospel presented so many times that when I start a statement, you can finish it in your mind because you've heard it so many times. I don't ever want you to be in a place where you are talking with a friend or a coworker or someone and they're asking for the hope that you have in Christ and they ask you to explain the gospel and you draw a blank. I want it to be that it is so ingrained in your mind that you wake up in the morning and you're saying, humanity was created for relationship with god our sin separated us from that relationship there is nothing that we could do to make things right but jesus did for us what we could not do he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin he rose from the grave three days later that we might have life and he offers eternal life or a reconciled relationship to those who repent of their sin by placing faith in jesus christ that's the simple gospel message So in order to help with that, not only is it in your notes here, but you'll notice that in all the racks coming in and out of the entrances of the building, there's little tiny gospel tracks. Watch watch this. You just fold that little joker down like that, (laughs) slide it right in your pockets. You're sitting down with somebody. Somebody's saying, I need to understand, did you know it's okay to pull out a card like this and say, let me walk you through the points It's okay to do that. Those are fantastic to leave when it comes to a tip at a restaurant. But let me say, do not leave this in exchange of the tip. You leave this, put a nice tip with it. Amen? Amen. Don't be those kind of Christians. Amen. Amen. All right. So, the next one here is an expanded gospel presentation on page 19. You've heard me go through those statements many times, but I wanted to give an explanation of what I'm talking about under each of those. We're actually gonna come back and cover that right at the very end. So let's keep going at this point. The next section that you'll get to on page number 20 is going to be the relationship. Remember, it all comes back to relationship with God. So if you look on page 22, There's some introductory information talking about this relationship. And remember, this is a seven-day devotional guide to help a person, if they're a brand-new believer, help them understand what the Christian life is supposed to be. Get them on the right track. If you remember, one of the things I've shared is often we would share what could only be considered evangelical Catholicism. And that is we tell people it's all about relationship. We tell people that you were saved by grace through faith, that you enter this relationship with God. And once the person's in, then we say, and here's everything you need to do to be a good Christian. But we never help them understand how those things fit into knowing Christ and making him known. So on this, look at day number one. We start with, what is my new identity in Christ? Did you know if somebody never understands who they are in Christ, they will constantly fight the same battles, the same demons, the same issues in their mind. They will see themselves for 20 years down the road as the person who was there before Christ instead of who they are now in Christ. They need to understand their identity. So if you look on the bottom of page 23, it says, Who are you? You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. you're child of God. You are a part of the true vine. you are Christ's friend. All of these passages that say, "This is who you are. Let the Word of God define you. Don't let the world define you. And by the way, don't even try to define yourself. Let the Word of God define you. So day one, it talks about what is my new identity in Christ. And at the very bottom, you'll notice that there's a little section. It's in a black, um, I don't know what you would call it, almost like a ribbon that goes along the bottom of the page. And it says, a major part of Christian living is beginning to see yourself from God's perspective. Take time to highlight the verses that mean the most to you. So at the bottom, there's almost like a little piece to help people understand this is the big point of what's going on with that particular page. So if you were to turn over to page 24 talks about what is eternal life. Whenever I preached in view of a call, I preached from John 17, 3. I believe this is like a life verse that God has pressed into my heart. This is eternal life, that they may know you. Eternal life is to know God. Eternal life is relationship with God. So in this look at about midway down page 24 if eternal life is to know god how do we get to know him god must reveal himself did you know if god did not reveal himself to us we would have no idea who god is This is just basic theology, but it starts to get us on the right path. That is, we are dependent upon God for his mercy, for his grace, even the revelation of who he is. If he did not reveal himself, we would never figure him out. The next part, we must believe what he has revealed, and then we must spend time with the revealed one. Go on from there. How has God revealed himself? He's revealed himself through creation, conscience, Christ the canon of scripture. This is just helping somebody understand what eternal life is and how we grow in it. Then if you would, go over to the next page, page 26. What is the goal of the Christian life? I cannot tell you how many people I have taught this particular lesson to that they said I've been a Christian for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and no one ever told me what the goal was. It was almost like the goal was just go to church, be a good moral person read the bible make it up yourself if god sent his son that we might have relationship with god don't you think it's important that we spend our time enjoying the relationship that he sacrificed his son so that we could have if we just go on playing the church game we've missed the points You will have a dry religion. You will not have an intimate relationship with God. So in this, we talk about the ultimate goal is to know God. The daily goal is to spend time with God. It's in this section that we begin to introduce the disciplines of the Christian faith and how they lead back towards the goal. The goal is to know God. So when we talk about prayer, when we talk about reading the Bible, when we talk about meditating on Scripture, ultimately you're doing this so that we might know Him more. Go over to the next page, day number four. And by the way, there's a lot of emphasis on the front side of this, and it gets a little bit less towards the back. So day number four, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? If we are to be disciples who make disciples, we need to know what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who pursues God or pursues Christ by loving God, uniting with believers, serving the world, and entrusting the gospel. If you notice on page 28, it even breaks down some of the ideas. It fleshes out what those ideas are all about. Now, that same page is now going to be critical. I will bring it up in a few moments when we get into the pursuit. Because in the pursuit, that is the second book that is in this section. That's now talking about what it looks like to love God. And an entire week is dedicated to loving Him. Go over to the next page, page number 30. How do I study the Bible? If we're to spend time with God and getting to know God, we're going to be spending time in His Word. So on pages 30 and 31, it talks about how it is that we study. Scripture is God's Word. The Holy Spirit enables understanding. Scripture interprets Scripture. Context unlocks meaning. We we provide all of those things. Now, let me pause here for a moment. Here's why it is so important that all of this information is sitting in week number one. A lot of people have zero, and I do mean zero, church and biblical background that they are working from. And when you lead them to faith in Christ, and you think they're going to figure out the next part, you are sadly mistaken. So from the very beginning, I want people to begin to understand if the Bible is God's word, and it's a God's revelation of himself to humanity, how do I study it? How do I get into it? A piece that God's brought into my mind many times is read the word for depth, not distance. It's not about how fast you can go and how much you can read. But sink into its pages and let the Word of God speak to your heart. Understand the context. Understand scripture interprets scripture. If you're having a hard time understanding it, say, God, help me to see it in another place in the Word. You will be amazed how many times the next day you're reading the Word, it unlocks the question you had from yesterday. Just trust the Spirit of God and the Word of God to do an amazing work in your heart. So going on from there... We talk about day number six. Why should I attend church? Now this is fantastic. I love this. And and here's why this is so fantastic. Because by and large, the church has done a horrible job of helping people understand why it needs to be that they are in community with other believers. We just simply say, if you're a Christian, you need to be in church. Why? Because I can sit at home and I can watch some good preaching from home. I can give an offering from home. I got YouTube like everybody else. I can worship from home. So why is it that we need to be together with the body of Christ? That's what day number six is about. Look, if you would, third paragraph down. Here it is in bold print. Part of your growth in Christ only happens when being in community with other believers. If you have a desire to become everything God created you to be, to grow in your walk with God, there is a part of your growth that only happens in community with other believers. Also, notice the six pieces. When you're together with other believers, it's a place to connect it's a place to worship God. It's a place to hear scripture taught. It's a place to serve others. It's a place to find encouragement. That's one of the things that's so important. I love live stream. In the sense that when somebody is unable to be here because of sickness or or maybe they're out of town because of a job, they can continue right in the flow of what's going on. They don't miss anything in the series. They don't miss what's going on. They get a chance to worship wherever they might be. But listen, online is never a replacement for in-person. Because here's what happens. When you're by yourself at home, when you're just watching from a hotel room, and there's a crisis in your life, nobody knows. If you've not been together with other believers, nobody even knows to check in on you at that point. How do you exercise your gifts of service if you're not around other believers to be able to serve? Did you know one of my favorite things? We were actually talking about this a few moments ago before the service. One of my favorite things to do in nights of worship was to clear an entire room And to worship in the round and what that means is you put the musicians the singers in the middle and then you begin to get all the chairs and you face them in a big circle around each other and the reason that's so powerful is when you're worshiping you look across the way and you see the other hands that are up you look across the way and you're like i know their story i know what they're going through and there is a level of encouragement and excitement that comes because you're in the room with the body of christ You don't get it if you just watch it online. Why should I attend? You'll find out in that session. Now, moving on from there, the last day. What should I do to grow as a Christian? Look at that statement at the top. If we just engage in the activity without knowing the purpose, it leads to religion instead of relationship. So these are just some first steps. These are steps in growing in your walk with God, all aimed towards relationship with Christ. Now, that takes us over to our next section, which is the pursuit. This should be on page 37. If you were to turn that page over to page 38, It gives a little bit about this particular book. Remember I said all of this is about relationally centered discipleship. So if you look at what it says about this book, the pursuit shows you how the three key relationships of Christ's life impact your growth as a disciple. Jesus lived in right relationship with the Father and right relationship with the church, right relationship with the world. So this is about exploring those relationships. Every one of these weeks is dedicated to a part of what it looks like to follow Christ. Now, I also want to just draw your attention just one page in this section. Just look at page 39. You're already there. This is week one, love God. If you'll notice at the top, it says day one, if you could only do one thing. That's kind of the topic for the devotional thought for that day. And then it goes through simple devotional piece. You get to the bottom and it has a prayer suggestion and also has passages for additional study. So basically this is like a jumping off point. This is kind of getting you along a path and then there's other ways that you can take it from there. All of the pages in the pursuit work the same way. So now let's go over, if you would, page 63 for the journey. The journey is the next section that we have. And remember, this is our 14-part mentoring guide. How do you disciple someone through the, the walk of God, helping build out the framework of this? So if you would, look on page 65 for just a moment. On page 65, I, I share what is the big idea of this particular piece. And let's just read through it together. It says a number of years ago, and... This is a number of years ago for me. I wrote this, just in case you're wondering. Okay, a number of years ago, I purchased a small indoor tent for my daughters. The package contained 12 short poles, 14 long poles, 21 connecting brackets of various shapes and sizes, a colorful canvas, a small bag for storage, and no instructions for assembly. I laid all the pieces in front of me. I could see the picture on the box, but I had no idea how to assemble it correctly. I connected and disconnected poles. I turned bent, twisted, and forced brackets into place. I jammed pieces together, hoping the final product looked remotely like a tent. Finally, after more than an hour of trial and error, the tent was assembled. It was a frustrating experience. Now, that analogy describes how many people approach Christianity. When they open the Christian box, it's filled with great things. God, the Bible, Jesus, prayer, church, preaching, worship, baptism, communion, serving, giving, the whole list, and no apparent instructions. How do they work together? I don't know if you all have noticed, if you've been a Christian for more than like a month, there's a lot of stuff you can be doing in the church. There's only so much time in the day. So how do you focus those things towards the goal of knowing Christ and making him known. That is what this entire section is about. It's about building the framework by which the pieces of Christianity will be resting upon. So if you would, turn over for just a moment. Page 66. You will notice on 66, it says what is going to be covered. And there are 14 different parts. Notice that every single one of these is a question. So it begins with, what is the gospel? At this point, everybody should be able to understand what is the gospel. Now if you'll notice on page 67 at the top, it gives a big idea, then it explains the pieces. Now if you would, turn over to page 69. Top of it, same, there's another question, but there's also a big idea. That big idea is Christianity is about relationship and it explains the relationships more. Now if you would, turn over to page 71. The question is, what are the basic goals of the Christian life? You'll see there's now a big idea, but then it has review. Under that, all the way through the rest of the relationship, there's going to be that big idea from all the previous lessons is now going to be repeated at the top section. That way when you're sitting down with somebody and you're saying, all right, let's remember what we've covered so far. You don't have to turn through every single one of the pages. It's all right there for you. This is (laughs) user-friendly. I'm thinking of you. Now, honestly, I, I just want things to be as simple as possible. And there's another part, and that is by repetition, we learn things more. So it's all sitting right there on top. Now, if you would like, go all the way towards the very end. I believe it's on page 93. This is part 14. What should I do with what I've learned? At this point, somebody would have gone through the relationship, the pursuit, and now they're finishing out on the journey. What do I do? You are to entrust to others what God has entrusted to you. Disciples making disciples. It's never intended to end with us. There's another person, another family, another generation who needs to hear and understand what the gospel is all about. Disciples making disciples. Now if you would, turn over to page 95 and I will quickly hit this and we will be finished. There are a number of appendices that are here. One of these is Bible basics. I, I wrote this, if you'll remember, writing from Las Vegas. And many of the people that we were reaching had zero church background. The first time they ever walked into a church is when they walked into our church in Las Vegas. We've had times, just just to show you where this is at, we've had times where somebody got their first Bible and they came in and they said, my Bible has these books, what does yours have in it? They didn't know. There's 66 books in the Bible. I've had people put notes in the offering plate, and what the note said is, you all keep passing this plate, and people put money in. Could you explain to me what that's about? And I contacted them about what giving was about. They're like, that sounds like a great idea. Can I do it? Yes, you can. <laughs> when we take things for granted, There's other people who have no idea what we're talking about. We speak sometimes, it's been referred to as Christianese. It's almost like you got to be in the club to understand the language. But what about the people who are never invited into the club yet? What about those that it's their first time walking in and they're just like, I don't know what you all are talking about, but I love Jesus and he changed my life. Could somebody help me? That's what the appendices are about. It's providing some basics for people regardless of where they're stepping in so that they're able to look back and say, I don't know what that is, but let me see if it's covered in the back. So we have an inductive Bible overview that's in the back to how to study Scripture. There's interpretational principles that are back here. There's a basic overview of theology on page 99. There are biblical terms connected to theology on page 100 and following like for example here's a great one if you look second word down is apostle so let's say for example you are a brand new believer you've never owned a bible before and you're reading one of paul's letters and it says paul an apostle of jesus christ well what's an apostle unless you know you get lost before you even get started so Many of these terms are there with a basic definition behind them. And then from that, you'll also notice that on page 102, there is foundational beliefs for Christianity. Then it's expanded beliefs for Christianity. And then let's move very quickly over here. You'll also notice that on page 107, there is a gospel track. The same track I just showed you a moment ago. We included it in this because a lot of times around the world, people are not able to have access to the tracks. So we wanted to give it to them so they could put it on a copy machine, make all the copies they want, and be able to share it with others. So turn one more page, and here's appendix number nine, the expanded gospel presentation. This is where I want us to end this evening. You all have heard me go through the gospel many, many times, but at the same time, it is really, really important that we not only can give the statement, but we understand what is behind that statement. So, for example, you and I are created for relationship with God. That's not just a statement that was pulled out of nowhere, that's about going back into the word. You go back into Genesis chapter 2 and 3 and you find that Adam was created in the image of God and given the capacity for relationship with God. You find there's conversation, communion, cooperation, there's partnership that is happening prior to the fall. You'll also notice that Jesus mentions multiple times about his desire for relationship that we Abide in him and he in us. He talks about the fact that he will disclose himself to us as we are loving him. There's relationship, there's intimacy that is mentioned here. It's our sin that separated us from that relationship. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's also a penalty that comes with sin. Whenever you did something wrong as a child, you disobeyed your parents, chances are there was some punishment that came with that. The Bible tells us what that punishment is. It says the wages of sin is death. Wages are what we earn for what we've done. The wages of sin is death. What did we earn for our sin? We earned death. We earned separation from God. There was nothing that we could do to make things right. Many people believe their good deeds will make them right with God. But unfortunately, there's no definitive marker for adequate goodness. How good is good enough? Does God accept 75% goodness? Does he grade on a curve? Does he want 95 plus percent good? That's not found in scripture. But what we do find is the issue here is not about what we might do to be good to earn God's favor. It is what Jesus has done for us that enables us to be right with God. The Bible helps us to see our problem is not lack of goodness. Our problem is the effect of sin. We could never reconcile our relationship with God because sin brings death and deception. I I love how scripture describes this. Ephesians 2.1, it teaches us that without Christ, we were dead in transgressions and sin. Dead people don't act. 2 Corinthians 4, it tells us without God's intervention, we are blinded from the truth by the God of this world. Deceived people do not believe. We, we could not do this ourselves. Praise God that Jesus did what we could never do. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Uh, Listen to this again, Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He did the saving for us. He died. To pay the penalty for our sin he rose from the dead that we might have life a dead savior cannot help you he rose from the dead that we might have life look at what it says first peter 1 3 blessed be the god and father who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead had the resurrection not happened salvation would not be possible. It's hinging on this resurrection. And Jesus offers eternal life. And I, I say, or a reconciled relationship. It, it's talking about the same thing. To those who repent of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ. John seventeen three. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Eternal life is, is to know God. Eternal life is about relationship. This, everything that we're describing, is about how you experience the relationship, grow in the relationship, and help others experience the same thing so that their lives are transformed for all eternity. As we finish out tonight, my prayer is that these resources would be some that would be incredibly spiritually beneficial for you. My prayer is that God would give us fresh eyes to see the gospel. A statement that I heard a number of years ago is we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. You never outgrow it. You grow into it. The further we explore the gospel, the more we find it. Everything is flowing out of this intimate relationship with God. And when that relationship is strong, it is amazing how God addresses the other issues of our life. When that relationship is suffering, you'll never get your hands on everything else going on around you. You're just playing catch-up the whole time. God transformed my life summer of 1994, in a hotel room in Clemson, South Carolina. He changed my life for eternity. And although that's when I was saved, it was not until around 2003 to 2004 that he helped me understand what it looked like to walk in relationship with him. And whenever you understand relationship, you can never go back to religion. It's not even in the same ballpark. God wants to transform and continue to transform the lives of his people. So here's how we're going to close things out tonight. We're closing it out tonight with communion. The reason I wanted us to end this evening in communion is because if there's ever something the gospel teaches us it is about the body of Christ that was broken the blood of Christ that was spilled so that you and I might experience eternal life so I'm going to ask you if you would to just take a few moments just kind of heads bowed I want you to spend some time with God I want you to ask God before we receive communion is there any unconfessed sin that is in my life Is there anything between my soul and my Savior? I want to encourage you to take some time before we receive communion and ask God to remind you again at the communion table the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take just a few moments for that.